than we thought you were. Well, we could just spend the rest of the day telling testimonies of your goodness, the things we've seen in this room, the things that we've seen with our own eyes, things that we know to be true. We know too much. <laughs> we know too much to deny you now. We've experienced you. How could we deny what we've experienced? So much of the world is hungry and looking for a God who cares, and it's you. And I hate the fact that so many times we get so busy with our lives, we can't turn and look at those that you're caring for and love on them the way you want us to. Oh, but today, Lord, we're not coming with guilt and shame. We're coming with celebration that you are a good God. And you want, to represent, you want us to represent you well. And you want us to spread your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would uh, be just about doing that. We just thank you for your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Oh, any good? Amen. amen. Y'all got to do better than that. If we're going to be quiet during this service, I'm going to quit. <laughs> Y'all got to be, do better than that. Ain't he good? Amen. 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 Well, I just uh, have to tell you, if you don't know this, you're going to need to know it. Uh, culture will happen regardless. And so we don't just, uh, in your family, you're going to have a family culture. It just, it just is. I mean, like, I grew up just knowing this is our family culture. We may not voice it. We may not say it clearly that this is our culture, but it happens. It just, sometimes it happens by accident. If you don't direct culture, then you might get a culture you don't want. And so like in, in our family, we had like unspoken rules that, that we just knew that there were these things. This is, this is who we are. This is what we do. Uh, and so just everybody has a culture. Uh, every group has its own culture. Your workplace has a culture. Well, our church has a culture. And rather than let it just happen by accident and not like the culture that we adopt, I decided we just direct our culture. Amen. We just say, this is, the, this is who we are. This is how we operate. This is, this is what we do. And so here is one of uh, the things, it's one of our values, but it's not just a value. It's only a value if you don't act it out. If you don't operate in this value, then it's just words on a page. But it's more than a value for us, it's our culture. We are generous because God is generous. It's an honor and a joy to sacrifice for Christ and his church through irrational generosity. Irrational generosity is simply this. We give when it don't make sense to give. Right? And so when, when, when it just don't even make sense to give, we say, well, we're going to give anyway. When it doesn't look like that, uh, it, that it just, it, you're just going to feel foolish by giving in this situation, we're going to give anyway. Why? Because God, he's so loved that he gave. Love expresses itself through giving. Love expresses itself through giving. Now, if you're already concerned, you're already nervous because the preacher's talking about money, well, yes, I am. I'm going to be talking about money today. But if you have come and you have wounds and anxiety because you've seen preachers who were dishonest and scandalous and you have had a history of uh, being abused through this, I'm sorry, but that's not who we are. That's not who we are. I just want our people to be blessed by God uh, and, and not, not for us as a church to be blessed. I, I'm not even looking for your money. I don't, I don't know what anybody, just know this. 
you may be new to Sand Springs and you don't know how we operate. We're trying to tell you how we operate. That's what this sermon series is all about. Know this. I don't know what anybody gives. And I don't make any more if the offering goes up. I don't make any less if it goes down. That's not why I'm bringing this word. Does that help anybody at all? I hope it does. I don't know what you give. And I know some of y'all are just like, whoo, good. I don't. I'm glad you don't know what I give because I don't give anything. But I tell you what, <laughs> the Lord knows what you give. So you just deal with him. Uh, no, we, we don't operate that way. We know uh, that if you understand the principle that I'm going to be talking about today, you won't have any problem uh, because, and, and please understand this too. If I'm giving disclaimers, I'm going to give all the disclaimers. Also know that we don't teach that you are to give in order to get. We don't do that. We don't teach that. Now, I will tell you that is a, a byproduct of giving. It is a byproduct, but that's not our motivation. Our motivation for giving is we want to be just like God, and God is generous. And, and if that's my father, I want to look like my father. Amen. I have lived this out my entire life, uh, even in times when it was very, very lean for us. Uh, when, I, when I received the call from the Lord into full-time ministry, I didn't know how difficult that was going to be. Um, and, and the pastor at the time, this is interesting if y'all don't know this about me. The day that I walked the aisle and said, I believe God's called me into full-time ministry, the pastor quit. So that's just interesting. <laughs> he quit. <laughs> he, he left the church that day. And it's like, if that boy's in, I'm out. I'm gone. So <laughs> not really. Yeah, but he did tell me, he said, you need education. And so uh, I said, well, you know, I, I guess I'll work on that. And so I went to get... Uh, get an education. Basically, what I went to get was uh, an ability to learn how to study. I didn't go to seminary. If y'all don't know that about me, I'm telling y'all everything, all right? Telling y'all everything. I did not go to seminary. I went to a Bible college to learn how to study the scriptures and uh, didn't get indoctrinated. I don't, I, I don't have all of, of those things that, uh, uh, that denominations and seminaries, uh, it's just, I counted a blessing. So, what I do, though, what I do have, though, is life experience in this topic. I have life experience. Grew up uh, on a farm five miles north of the Loop here in Athens, and uh, I had my chores that I did. I, I gathered the eggs. I fed the chickens. I fed the horses. I did my chores. And with that, I received an income. I had a salary. I was about that old right there, and I got it in change. And as I got my salary and change, I was able to, to bring every Sunday uh, my tithe to the house of the Lord. So I don't remember learning to give. I was just taught from birth to give. The first time I ever got money, I, learned, I was taught to give. Now, I do remember learning later on in life the joy of generosity. So tithing is just giving 10% of your income. And, and, uh, and in my opinion, that's just a bare minimum. Uh, but I remember learning the joy of generosity, giving extravagantly, giving irrational with irrational generosity. And, uh, and that's when the blessings just blew up in my head. I'm like, oh my goodness, the, the way that God can operate is mind boggling when it comes to this topic of generosity. Now, I want you to look with me at a passage of scripture that you might not think as you read it before that relates to this, but it is a perfect passage of scripture in regards to generosity. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. 
It's, this is the only miracle listed in all four Gospels. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but of all the miracles that Jesus has done, only one is listed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Only one. And this is the one. And you know it as the, the parable of the feeding of the 5,000. It tells us in the last verse of this passage that it was 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So it, it very realistically was 12 to, 12 to 15,000 people that on this particular day, Jesus fed them through this kingdom principle, the principle of generosity. So chapter 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard, heard it, that he had departed, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Aren't you glad that we serve a Lord who is moved with compassion, even to the point of action? Because maybe in your, in your previous thoughts of God, you might feel him to be distant and cold. That he is a God of rules, a God of regulations, and you better mind, because if you don't, he's going to smack you. But he, he doesn't, he's not moved with positive feelings, he's moved with negative feelings. Has anybody ever had those kind of thoughts toward God? Would you be honest with me? Because I have. I have. I, I, I thought that he was a stern stern, cold, uh, indifferent towards my feelings, but, but that he was kind of a, a distant, cold, hard God. But I love this verse of scripture. It tells us who he really is. And it says that he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. We have thousands and thousands of people. They've been there all day. Jesus has been ministering to them. It's getting late. They're hungry. And the, the disciples say, Jesus, you need to cut the sermon short. The Methodists are beating you to the buffet line. That's a joke, by the way. That's just the Methodists are our friends. But Jesus, you're getting long-winded there, kind of like the previous service that y'all just had to cross through the people as they were coming in. I got a little long-winded, and now you're really nervous. But sir, the sermon's going long, Jesus, and they're hungry, and they're not going to have enough time to get to the restaurant. They're not going to have enough time to go to those who are selling food and, and buy food. And so they're like, cut it short. And uh, verse 16, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They don't need to go away. They're saying, Jesus, uh, you need to stop the service so they can go and eat. And he said, they don't need to go. They can eat right here. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know this is speaking of the physical, but please understand that anytime that I'm speaking on, uh, of a parable, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So there are deeper principles involved here. And so I need you to understand that, that there are, there's another level to this story. When people are coming for Jesus, why would they ever have to go to the world to have their needs met? Well, why would we need to say, oh, you, you don't have enough food to eat? Well, I tell you what, we've got a program in town that can fill your freezer, can fill your belly. Can fill, no. Jesus said, they don't need to go away. They come to the church. <laughs> they come to the people who are operating on another level. They come to those who understand kingdom principles. 
And so it says they don't need to go away. You, feel, you give them something to eat. Now we got a problem. Because the disciples are like, uh, we don't have anything to eat. In fact, we were just telling you that they were hungry because we're actually hungry. <laughs> we, we don't have anything to eat. And so, so uh, verse 17, and, they, and he, they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Now we know, because this is written in four gospels, we have uh, four different accounts of the same event. And so we know where he got the five loaves and two fish. There was some little boy that that came today to this Jesus meeting with five loaves of bread and two fish. And, the, and that little boy gave what he had to his disciples. Now, what would any little boy need with five loaves of bread and two fish? What, what would he need with that much food? Now, I know that this is not the misbearage bread, Texas-sized <laughs> loaves, but even it's, if it's as big as a biscuit, What's this little boy going to need with five loaves of bread and two? Maybe mom and dad taught him the principle of generosity. This little boy, I'm going to send you today to that Jesus meeting, but you're going to have some friends that might be hungry. You give them something to eat. And so what did the little boy do? When the disciples said, we have need of food, this little boy said, you can have it all. You can have it all. Now, I don't know. We have to speculate a little bit, but when you read all four accounts, you get a pretty good picture of what's going on. But look at what they say. They said, we have here only five loaves and two fish. So here are the 12 disciples that later become apostles, and they're saying, we only have this much. This is the scarcity mentality that many people have. I want you to catch this. It's called scarcity mentality. Scarcity mentality says, all that I have is all that there is. Therefore, I can't give any. Yeah. Y'all catching it? Yeah. All that I have is all that there is. So therefore, I can't give any. Uh, Lord, I'd, I would give this, this month, but uh, there's not uh, enough at the, the end of the month. I've paid all my bills, and uh, there, there's none left over. And so that's all there is, Lord. Well, I'm going to just tell you something. You got it backwards. He came last instead of first. And, and it, he... Put the Lord first and then see how the work, it all works out. But sometimes the scarcity mentality plagues our lives and say, well, all I have is all that there is and there's not enough, so therefore I can't. And, and, and this was the, the mindset of the disciples. And Jesus is teaching his disciples the kingdom principle of generosity. He's, he's trying to break the scarcity mentality. Verse 18, he said, bring them here to me. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. He took up the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave. And did you catch this? He said, I want you to bring to me what you have. Bring to me what you have. And then when they brought what they had, he blessed it. If you won't bring it, he can't bless it. You don't hear anything else I say. That's pretty easy to catch. If you won't put it in his hands, he can't multiply it. Because this is exactly what happens. He multiplies what they bring to him. He multiplies. And why does he multiply it? Because there's others that have needs. It's not so that they could walk away with 15,000 people's worth of bread and fishes. But you're going to see, you know how the story goes. But, but it's so, because this is how the kingdom uh, finances work. God says, if you put what you have in my hands, I will put it back in your hands with more. 
and then you take what you have, I have put in your hands and you give it to those who have needs. And it will continue to multiply, 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 multiply. Everybody get with me? If I won't bring it to him, he can't bless it. And I'm, I'm sitting here with it in my hands and, Lord, I wish you'd bless this. I, I'm going to hold on till it till you do. But when you bless me, then I'm going to be real generous. I'm going to be real generous. That ain't how it works. What faith is there in that? What faith is there in that? Our culture as a church is that we are a people of faith, hope, and love. Here's what faith says. Faith says, I'm going to trust in God that he can and will do exactly what he said he would. That's faith. And so it says in this principle, uh, the, this principle of generosity, this principle of stewardship and giving, I'll touch on the word stewardship, uh, that, that I can trust him with what he's already given me. Faith. Hope. What is hope? Hope means that I can trust him for a positive outcome. That's hope. We don't hope that this is going to work out well. That's the wrong use of the word hope. Hope is a positive, a, 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 a mindset of certainty. That if it's not good, he's not done. Everybody with me? Whatever your situation, if it's not, if you're a child of God, if you're a child of God, if, he's, if it's not good, he's not done. He still works, he, God works all things together for good. For those who love him, we called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. We believe that. We hold to that. Faith, hope, and love. What is love? Love is his motivation. His motivation for his goodness towards us is that he loves us. The expression of love, love expresses itself through giving. For God so loved that he gave. Let's try that again. For God so loved that he gave. Amen. Amen. And God has demonstrated, this is Romans 5, God has demonstrated his love for us. That God has demonstrated his love for us in this, in this, that Christ died for us. He loves and so he gives. And so here is this, this awesome principle of just so clear and plain to me. And it blows my mind. It's, a, it's an amazing miracle. The one miracle in all four gospels, they bring five loaves, two fish. The, the, Jesus says, all right, everybody sit down. 15,000 people sit down in groups. He's orderly. Everything God does is orderly. Sit down in groups. Here's the 12 disciples. Here, you, you take, and he starts handing them. And, and, and I guess they have these baskets. And they're going to these groups of 50s and 100s. And he, they're just, man, this stuff is just multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. It's amazing. I wish I was there. It would have been awesome. <laughs> said, bring them here to me. They commanded, then he commanded the multitudes, verse 19, to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves of the two fish. Looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. Y'all catch that? This is now called stewardship. What are you doing with what he gave you? What are you doing with what he gave you? It ain't yours to start with. I know we have this mentality, that's mine. That's mine, and there's not enough of it. Therefore, I can't give it. And he has the mentality, the heavenly principle is, no, it's his, and there's more where that came from, and you can't stand to hold on to it. You can't afford to hold on to it. And so here's this principle of stewardship. Stewardship is basically, uh, it's not yours, you are a manager of it. 
And the best way I know uh, to, to illustrate that here in, in our culture is a ranch manager. A ranch manager, he don't own the land, he don't own the equipment, he don't own the horses, he don't own the cattle, he don't own the tractor, but he, is in, he can use it all like it's his. Y'all with me? And his role is to, to take care of those things, but not just to maintain them. I mean, that's good. But I think that every ranch is out there to make money. Some of them are tax write-offs, but that's another story. <laughs> but, but it's not theirs. They're just a steward of it. They are to maintain it. And the better they maintain it, don't you know that the owner is going to be blessing them in return? That, that, that if that calf crop is well maintained and managed and, and those cows are productive and no calves died and, and that man went out there and pulled that calf when it was in trouble and, and he took care of that man's stuff as if it was his own. Don't you know that that owner is going to be proud of his hand, his manager, and bless him in return? Here's the kingdom principle. God said, this wasn't yours. I gave it to you. And you said, no, no, no. I, I have a job and I worked hard. And, and God says, who gave you that job? Well, I, I, I did look for the job, but I have some skills. Who gave you those skills? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, my, my parents sent me to, to college, and I was able to get an education. Who gave them the money to do that? Yeah. I, it, just, just continued the list, the argument. You can, it's not good to argue with God, by the way. <laughs> just say, all right, I accept the principle. It's yours. It's yours. And there's no limit to what you have. And so, yes, Lord, I'll be a good steward. Look at the principle here in full color. It says, he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed it. This is verse 19. He broke it and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. When it comes to God's resources, they are not to come to your hands and stop. They are to come through your hands because this is a heavenly currency. I, I, I just need to... I need to hang out on that. Verse 20. So they all ate and were filled. Did y'all catch that? They didn't just get a little. They ate till they were full. That sounds like me. I'm going to eat till I'm full. (laughs) Especially when it comes to fish. I mean, I like me some catfish. They all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. How much did they start with? Five loaves and two fish. Everybody, 12 to 15,000 people ate till they were sitting back, picking their teeth and rubbing their belly. And then they gather up what's left. And Jesus is like, boys, are y'all catching it? Y'all catching this principle? You didn't have anything to start with. You didn't have anything to start with. There was this little boy that, that you just... You just brought his to me, and what you brought to me, I blessed and gave it back to you, and it multiplied in the giving. It multiplied in the giving. And so, and then, they used it for ministry. The kingdom is expanding at moment by moment, second by second. They, they used it for ministry, and then the ministers, they're walking around like, this is way more than we started with. We can't give enough away. And that's exactly how it works in the kingdom of heaven. You can't give it all away. Yeah. <laughs> that's, y'all ain't hearing me. I've heard, I know you've probably heard it said, you can't outgive God. 
I've known people to try. And that the more that he gave, the more they gave. They weren't trying to, to break that principle. They, they knew it to be true. And the more he gave, the more they gave. And the more he gave, the more they gave. And, and they don't know what to do with all the stuff they have. Now, again, I'm not preaching that you give to get. I'm just saying this is the way the kingdom of heaven works. There's no limit to God. And we followed through in obedience, man, he multiplies it. And so they all ate, were filled. They took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remain. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke and Luke chapter 16. There's a parable in Luke chapter 16 that's interesting. It's confusing. It's hard to understand because Jesus is telling the story of a steward, a manager. That manager had not done his job well. And he had some outstanding debt. And the owner comes and says, by the way, you're getting fired because you haven't done your job well. And so the manager says, okay, uh, just have a little bit of time left on this job. And so he goes to those with outstanding debt, says, hey, cut your bill in half. Goes to another one, hey, cut your bill in half. <clears throat> and Jesus says, man, he did a good job. I'm like, what? Jesus, you're teaching something that's unethical. That's thievery. <laughs> that is not right. But that's, this is what, look what it says in verse 8. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. What is he saying? Non-Christians get this principle better than Christians. That you can actually use the resources that you have for the purpose that the master intended for them to, we, we don't get it. Let's just keep reading. So, and I said to you, verse nine, I said, you make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. I'll come back and define that. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. I have a friend who, uh, uh, Miss Iris Blue, she is a very, very, very generous lady. And they don't have much. She's been a missionary her whole adult life. Uh, Actually, her previous life, before she came to Christ, uh, she was a, a prostitute, a stripper, ran two strip joints, spent seven years in Huntsville for armed robbery, and uh, they knew her in the penitentiary as Big Iris. And she could whoop a man just as much as any other man, Big Iris. She was running a couple strip joints when a young preacher started ministering to her and led her to the Lord. We might have her come and share her testimony sometime. And led her to Christ. And, and from that point forward, she's just been a missionary serving the Lord for the rest of her life. A few years ago, uh, Miss Iris uh, came down with cancer. Cervical cancer. Miss Iris had nothing. Her and her husband, Dwayne Blue, their son, Denim Blue. That's kind of <laughs> gives you a little bit of idea who they are. Uh, this giant family, they're, they're, they're big people. Denim is as big as that door over there, just big giant people. And yeah, they're so generous, they give away everything all the time. And now she comes down with cancer. Now, this is going to be expensive. They don't, they don't have the means to take care of this. But this principle right here that Jesus was talking about, they got and in their generosity toward everybody all of their life, it, it, when, when she went to the hospital there in, in North Carolina, uh, God just worked miracle after miracle. After, now, he could have just healed her. He's done that here. 
numerous times. We've had, we, we've had uh, people in this church that never even went to cancer treatment and healed completely, no cancer. But he decided he's going to work this one out a little different. She goes to this hospital. She is given the, like, the, the presidential suite at the hospital. She is in, uh, it happens to be the hospital in which this pr- specific procedure, the guy who, uh, who created a machine to do the operation actually worked out of that hospital. So this robot machine at that hospital that she happened to be placed in and she had the best room in the entire hospital, was treated with the ultimate care. This is somebody that just lives off of very little. But God says, I'm going to show this principle. The very man who invented the machine to do the operation did the operation on her. And just on and on and on, the blessings of God, the blessings of God. And so she's just a living testimony of this principle, that she got it. I said, you make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. The owner of the hospital heard her testimony several years ago, knew who she was. That's why he put her in the presidential suite. One of the doctors at the hospital, her, uh, she had led to the Lord. She, she had been living her life generously. And when she came into a need, it came back to her. Verse 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Can you be responsible for the little that God has given you? Yes. Okay, he's going to give you more. Are you being responsible for what God has given you? No. Well, then don't expect more. Because he said, if I can't trust you with a little bit, I sure can't trust you with more. Verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, the, who commit to your trust the true riches? Unrighteous mammon, what does that mean? It means it's sinful money? No, it's amoral. It's not immoral, it's amoral. It has nothing good or bad to it. Money is just money. Everybody with me on that? If you're here and you're wealthy, if you're here and you're, I mean, you're rolling in it, wealthy, this church is not going to treat you like a leper because you're rich. And we're not going to treat you like a slot machine and try and rub you right in order to get anything out of you. Because you're not the source of our blessings. And if you have the mentality that wealth and riches are bad, then you have misinterpreted a verse of scripture. Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. The love of it is. Money is amoral. It has, it's neither good nor bad. Everybody tracking with me on that? And so Jesus is telling the story. He said, if you would use this amoral money with this kingdom principle, the kingdom of, of heaven would prosper. But you don't get it. He said the, king, the, the people of this world are, are more shrewd. They're smarter with what they do than the sons of light, than the, the, than the Christians are. And so uh, verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That, mammon, that word mammon, that unrighteous mammon, that word that just means it's just money, can eventually have a spirit attached to it. It can eventually become your master. You can't serve it and God at the same time. You cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. If Money was never meant to be your master. It's meant to be your servant. I'm telling y'all catching that. I want you to catch it. 
It was never meant to master you. You were meant to master it. All of your desires. I know we're talking about finances. I know we're talking about physical money. But all of your desires were never meant to master you. You were meant to master them. You ought to be bound to nothing except Jesus Christ. Amen. And so here, I want you to catch this. I I said the first thing was, if you don't catch anything else, catch this. And that was, what was it? (laughs) The Lord can't bless it if you don't bring it. Here's the second thing. Catch this. You are to redeem your resources. You are to redeem your resources. What does that mean? Money passed through your hands. And it can go from the world system, through your hands, back into the world system. But why not take that money that come out of the world system into your hands and redeem it? In other words, change the system. And take it out of circulation of the world system and put it into the circulation of his kingdom system. Y'all catching on? If, if we're just part of the world, then, then what difference are we making? None whatsoever. But God, this principle is woven through from beginning to end in the scriptures. In fact, Jesus preaches twice as much on generosity as he does heaven and hell combined. That's how important it is. That's how important it is. And so redeem your resources as they pass through your hands. Put them into a different system. Circulate them in a heavenly system. Amen. That there will be eternal reward. That was better. What I said was better than what y'all amened. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Redeem it. Redeem your resources. Here's another aspect of it. Generosity is an antidote to a very deadly poison. Generosity is the antidote to a selfish heart. If If you feel your heart starting to get stingy and selfish... What I recommend for you to do, the next thing you need to do is just go give somebody something. Just go, just be generous. Because a selfish heart will, it'll destroy your family. Your marriage will, will, will be, it can be ruined by a selfish heart. You can pass that off to your children. They learned it from home. Another aspect of a selfish heart, it'll bring darkness to you. And you'll never be satisfied. You'll never have enough. You'll never have enough to satisfy a selfish heart. I'm going to tell you something. When you get this principle and, under, and, and you love Jesus with everything that you have, including your resources, then you will understand that this is the one of the most joyful parts of the Christian life, being generous. There is nothing more opposite to the spirit of Christ, more opposite to the love of God than selfishness. We already pointed out, God so that he, and it continues all the way through. And he wants you to love the way he does and give to those in need. Jesus said, they don't need to go anywhere else. Here at Sand Springs, we don't have fundraisers to support us. We don't do bingo night. We don't do raffle tickets. We don't, no, we don't need to go to the world to support the work of God. God already has a system in place. And that is that he, when he does his work in the heart of believers, now all of a sudden, instead of becoming consumers, they become contributors. Now all of a sudden, instead of it's me, it's me, it's me, we grow up in maturity in Christ Jesus and say, how can I bless you? How can I bless you? How can I bless you? It's proof positive that God has done a work in our hearts. I'm going to close with this. 
God has a plan to change the course of Athens, Texas and Henderson County. And Sand Springs is right in the middle of it. I'm going to say it again, and I expect a better response. (laughs) God has a plan to change the course of Athens, Texas and Henderson County. And Sand Springs is right in the middle of it. Amen. That's more like it. It's an honor to be called to activate his blessed kingdom right here. It's an honor to be called to activate his blessed kingdom right here. There's about to soon be a building, a new building. And it's been a long time coming, and this comes with some frustration because I'm patient with everything except waiting. (laughs) Not good with waiting. (laughs) But the building's coming soon. And there will be a groundbreaking. And I need you to understand this from the beginning, that that building is nothing but a tool. It is nothing but a tool for kingdom principles. If, if little blessed children come in with their dirty feet and soil carpet, I don't care. We don't worship the building. We don't worship the carpet. I don't care if there is carpet. It is an instrument to, to be used to increase his kingdom. Amen? Amen. It's an expensive instrument. It's an expensive instrument. Uh, this building is going to be very expensive. You know, it's the times we're living in. Is that a problem? No. It's not a problem. Am I worried? Not in the least. God's already told us that he's taking care of us. God has already proven it over and over, including this week when we found out that the Family Peace Project is not only debt-free, we got money in the bank. Amen. Amen. That story is directly connected to the building of the building because I asked God as we were getting close to the decision, will Sand Springs take on the Family Peace Project? I said, Lord, we're about to build a very expensive building. How can we take on that ministry to the tune of $10,000 a month? And God said, you take care of those ladies and I'll take care of your building. That ministry had a huge debt. We had a board meeting this last Tuesday. All the debt is paid for. We got $60,000 in the bank for Family Peace Project. That's how God works. So it's an honor to be called to activate his blessed kingdom right here in Henderson County. The building that's going to be built, it's a tool. It's an expensive tool, but we're not worried because God has a plan in place. And that is when kingdom people get a kingdom mindset that it's kingdom money and recirculate it through the kingdom, then that building gets taken care of. I ain't concerned about it. But here's what else happens. You get the blessing. You walk away with a basket of bread. God said, see, they don't have to go anywhere else. They don't have to go. They're hungry. They're hungry for something from me. Don't send them back to the world. They're hungry for something from me. And we're going to heal them, and we're going to feed them. And that's the kingdom of heaven. Father God, thank you. It's you so loved that you gave. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have communion. This communion, it's more than simply symbolic. It's supernaturally significant. As we take this bread, we are doing it in remembrance of Jesus. Love expresses itself through giving. You can stand, you can kneel, you can come to the altar and take this. Either way, let's remind ourselves, Jesus is the gift from heaven. 
God, thank you so much that you love your love us so much that you gave your son. I pray that everyone in the room is examining their own heart to ask themselves, have I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And if the answer is, I'm not sure, don't let them leave in that condition, Lord. Lord, we just take this bread by faith, recognizing that you will do in us what we can't do for ourselves. And we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And as that bread represents the love of the Father, and how he loved us so much he gave Jesus, this cup represents the love of the Son, that Jesus loves us so much he gave his own life for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your life for us. Greater love has no man than this. Man laid down his life for his friends. Thank you. We love you too. Jesus' name, amen. Amen.